Hi guys, welcome to another episode of my Friends with Wheels podcast. Today I'm doing things a little bit differently. Today I will give you guys a previous recording that I did featuring Maria T. Kelly, who is the assistive technology specialist at WATAP or the Washington Assistive Technology Act program, and Alan New who's the director of the Washington Assistive Technology Act program. I've done, I've had this conversation with them recently about what WATAP is and how that program helps people with disabilities get the equipment they need to really do tasks such as writing and other stuff. I really thought it was a really great conversation just to get to know the ins and outs of the program and how they help people with disabilities in that regard. So I hope you tune in and enjoy this special recording. Okay, so let's get started here. So if you can tell me a little bit about what WATAP is and kind of like the general grand scheme of things that would be great sure so so WATAP um we're the state uh, assistive technology act program in washington and um we have been around since 1994 and um the program has gone through several iterations but our current iteration is to provide um services and resources to uh, individuals with disabilities as well as older adults um, around assistive technology in the um, community, in education, and in employment. Um, our mandate is we're statewide, so we serve the entire state. Uh, we serve from birth um, through adulthood and uh, aging and um, so it's a, it's a very big mandate and um, we do, uh, a lot of our services are done centrally at our offices in the University of Washington, um, but we also partner um, with several significant organizations around the state as well to um, increase our, our, our reach um, and meet that statewide mandate. Um, all of our programs are um, available to Washington State residents, and um, you know we support not only those individuals who use the technology, but also their family members, um, caregivers, and professionals as well. Um, and we provide sort of four core programs. Um, the first one is device demonstration, uh, which allows people to um, have a sort of a tour of what AT is available for whatever their needs are um, with a, a professional guiding the way. And, um, and that's intended to help people to make informed decisions about what AT works for them. Um, sort of linked to that program is our device lending program, uh, which allows people to borrow equipment for up to three weeks. Um, and uh, that allows them to try that the assistive technology before they uh, purchase it or before an agency purchases it. 
Um, oftentimes people will have demonstrations and then they will borrow equipment from us. So um, that's how those two programs can work together. Um, the other two programs are um, around device access or acquisition, I should say, and that's um, uh, state financing. And we have two um, major partners in state financing. Uh, we partner with the Northwest Access Fund, provides uh, financing for assistive technology. Um, and we also uh, partner with the Perkins School for the Blind to run the I Can Connect uh, program in Washington, which is the National Deaf-Blind Equipment Distribution Program, which provides uh, distance communication equipment, as well as uh, training to individuals who have combined vision and hearing loss. Mm. Um, so those are our, our big four, or, and then I forgot device reuse. So uh, device reuse, uh, we partner currently with um, Bridge uh, Ministries, who has the Meyer Mobility Centers in Bellevue and in Tukwila. And um, they provide durable medical and independent living equipment um, for um, free. And it's um, refurbished and uh, brought up to standards. Um, and uh, they support a large part of Washington State that effort. Um, we also support the Evergreen Reuse Coalition, which is a community of reuse providers around the state. Um, and uh, just to sort of help coordinate uh, who is doing reuse and to be able to make proper referrals um, and to sort of set a standard for what um, reuse should be as far as um, what professionals are, are involved in refurbishing the equipment, um, you know, the sanitation requirements, um, those sorts of things. Um, so those, those are our, our four big programs. And, um, and then we provide wraparound services. We have uh, information and referral. Um, we do a lot of public outreach um, and we do quite a bit of training, professional training. Uh, that's training uh, for individuals who are working with people with disabilities and seniors. Um, so that they can get uh, knowledge and uh, skills to help um, support those who they serve. Uh, we also do technical assistance for um, agencies and organizations. Um, we do this around a number of different aspects, um, including information, accessible information technology. Um, we do consulting around um, voting um, accessibility and we've been doing some work around um, setting up demonstration centers with um, community organizations such as Easter Seals. Um, mm. And that is us in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's a real, a lot of great information that I didn't expect. Um, so I know at one point you talked about sort of like, uh, sort of like access and uh, for individuals with this, with disabilities, because I kind of feel like in order to get those kinds of services, a lot of, you know, low income folks or, you know, people of other racial ethnic demographics don't have access to these types of services in their area. So um, you would also have to look at what, how do you sort of address this sort of the various disparities across Washington state? It's it's difficult. Um, one of those 
it's trying to figure out what's going to work for the community. And so right now we, we're working on a project with King County to um, figure out how to best serve rural seniors. And so we've been, the, the project was to provide outreach um, to the rural portions of King County um, and working specifically with some of the senior centers in that part of the, the county. And then we were going to use that information from that project to sort of expand further um, on how to reach those communities in other parts of Washington. Um, that project got funded right as the pandemic started and outreach has been one of the hardest things for us to do during the pandemic because we can't, we haven't been able to do them in person um, for the most part. We did a few during the lull between Delta and Omicron, um, but we've sort of had to you know, we, they've not been happening as consistently as they used to happen before the pandemic. Um, and because rural seniors tend to be not very well connected, um, you know, webinars just don't work for them. So, mm. so figuring out that has been a real challenge. Um, you know, working with other groups who have different language um, requirements, such as Spanish speaking abilities, you know, we we're limited in our funding with what we can do. Um, right. Part, part of our part of our challenge is we've been flat funded for or essentially flat funded for um, well since two thousand and four, and um, and you know prior to uh, two thousand and four, we actually got twice the amount of money for. Doing the prior to 2004, we were essentially doing uh, policy change and outreach and training. Um, so it was a smaller mandate um, with more money. And having not enough money has meant that we've it really um, impacts you know what we can do with with populations that are underserved um, because it just takes more resources to do that. It usually takes more staff time. You know, um, it would be really great for us to be able to either partner with an organization or have an individual on our staff who could speak Spanish. Um, but again, you know, un unless we were to get a significant increase in funding, it's not probably going to happen. So we have to rely on um, when we're contacted by those individuals, uh, we rely on translation services to help make that happen. Um, and we do the same for other individuals who speak who where English isn't their first language. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, uh, it's it, serving the entire state and serving all individuals with disabilities is a significant challenge. Um, yeah, and it takes a lot of problem solving to do. Yeah, I get that. It must be hard for a lot of families and a lot of people who don't have access to those, and, you know, got to figure out creative ways to, you know, solve those issues. You know what I mean? Right, and th and that's why we like working with uh, community organizations um, who are serving those individuals because if we can support the professionals, then they're more likely to be able to serve those individuals. Um, for example, we we work with the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. And um, they have three, um, they're structured in, the, in that they have three regions and they have a, an assistive technology specialist in each of those regions. 
and who supports their their rehab counselors and their uh, community rehab um, practitioners. Um, and so by us supporting those three providers in those three regions, you know, our reaches expanded that much more because they're touching all those other professionals who are working then with those populations, um, including, you know, Spanish language speaking populations in Eastern Washington. Um, so yeah. that's, that's how we sort of get around it is, you know, creating or having those uh, creative collaborations to expand our reach. Yeah, yeah, I'm fam I'm I'm familiar with DVR because I myself used those services, you know, a couple of years ago and and stuff. So I'm really familiar with how they sort of structure and stuff. So yeah, um, if I can uh, like go to you, Maria, about some of the like assistive technology, you know, services and devices you guys offer at WhatTap, I'd love to like get to know a little bit more about that because that's yeah. your area of right expertise. right i mean like alan said that uh the big part of what the at specialists do for watap is we do a lot of professional training a lot of which is with the vocational rehabs um community and also um the crps of community resource providers uh, we do that pretty regularly throughout the year and then do um, outreach presentations uh, to various organizations um, who are requesting those types of uh, presentations. And then uh, the other role that we play is, as AT specialists is just providing feedback to, um, to Alan of the type of technology that we need to have in our lending device lending library so that we purchase that throughout, we purchase AT throughout the year based on <clears throat> the need, especially the, the ATAPs or the AT specialists that Alan was referring to with DVR, they give us some insight and kind of their wish list of what they feel like that their clientele base um, is in need of so that we actually manage that, uh, that technology for them uh, here at WATAP. Um, <clears throat> you know, as far as a list of various types of AT, we try to fill kind of the void of what's missing in all of the categories, you know, from hearing loss, vision loss, uh, Naomi Namakata, um, our colleague is the one that kind of manages that category, uh, especially since she manages the I Can Connect program. Um, and, and really that, that's a big uh, area of requests for us through the I Can Connect program. And then uh, we get a lot of uh, requests uh, primarily throughout the school year for uh, learning disability technology, whether that's software or applications uh, for mobile devices for students um, uh, around a variety of ages. Uh, the other one is a lot for computer access, uh, whether it's uh, speech input or alternative input devices. Uh, so we try to uh, stay ahead of the, of the curve on that one. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, we try to purchase technology that uh, the common uh, person isn't oftentimes able to attain financially so that they have an opportunity to try it out for the three week period to help them make a more informed decision prior to making that financial investment um, on the technology. So that's kind of kind of our, um, our, our, our guiding principle there in regards to technology. And our colleague, um, my colleague Scott Kanan is the one that really operates the lending program 
And I'd have to say that that's probably, um, we'll do demonstrations and then the, the opportunity for the client to borrow the technology for that trial period has been um, a very powerful tool for them in, in helping them make a, a more informed decision. Uh, the other role that we play, like I said, is, is providing the training and then doing the demonstrations. The demonstrations uh, are typically one-on-one -on -one with a client or with um, a family member or another support person. Those have been fairly limited the past um, two years because of COVID. Uh, we try to do them um, via Zoom when it's appropriate or if the person on the other end has the capability to, um, to set that up and, and have the resources available to them to, to be able to do those remotely. But honestly, um, it's, been, it's been very difficult. And right now we're doing all of our training uh, pretty much virtually. Yeah, and we're doing our demonstrations yeah. virtually for the most part too. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. It's going to, yeah, it's a, I must be a lot of, it must be hard for a lot of you guys to do all those sorts of zoom interviews and with all this stuff going around the world, it's just <laughs> crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when we can start doing the demonstrations in person again, because um, although we can do it, um, I think it, it loses um, some, the hands-on capability um, is really important. Yeah, I get that. Um, so what I was going to ask is like, how do you sort of evaluate if a piece of assistive technology works? Like if like I've tried pieces of assistive technology with DVR, like I used what we call Dragon Naturally Speaking, which is like a software program where you have a, a, a headset, which I'm wearing right now, and you sort of speak as you're typing into it. So like, how do you know if a piece of program works? How do you sort of like evaluate that? Um, well, a lot of that is when we meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, we have them try that software in the various applications that they have to, to use the program, whether that's in a Word document or navigate uh, various web pages. Um, and that's really kind of how we gather information as to whether or not they're their voice is going to be compatible with the program and whether or not they have the, the cognitive um, abilities to be able to use it successfully and re recall and learn the, the voice commands. Um, so it's a series of steps. It's not like one specific answer. It's based on mm -hmm. um, observing them throughout that process. Yeah, and kind of see how it goes from there. I, I get that a lot. Yeah. And, and I think that the individuals, um, you know, help, they help make that decision because they're, they're guiding the process. They're saying, you know, this isn't working for me or, you know, I, I can't do that or, um, you know, and then something else is tried. And, and I think that's a part of the process to make sure that the individual's really involved in that decision-making mm -hmm. so that, you know, when they finally make that decision and then if they, assuming they get the device, they're going to use it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a guided process, like between the person administering the device and the individual actually using it. Yeah. Right. And if the, if the client or the consumer who's going to be using the assistive technology 
um, doesn't really isn't part of the process the it's not going to be a successful outcome so they yeah. really need to be part of the process yeah yeah it's a, it's a coordinated effort um if i can just ask let me make sure i'm got everything um okay so like final thoughts like how does this program like sort of i know you guys explained sort of like what um how does uh I don't know if I'm phrasing this right, but how does uh, WATAP um, um, allow individuals to become successful, not only in their lives, but in, in their careers and, and stuff? Yeah, like generally speaking, I don't, could, Alan, could you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, really giving people the tools that work for them is a really important piece of being able to participate in whatever they want to do. So whether that's, you know, um, just going to the grocery store or, um, you know, taking uh, a class or, you know, working um, their job. I think if you have the tools, you know, if you have a computer that works for you, if you have uh, software that helps with, you know, any needs you might have to use that computer, then that contributes to success. Um, and, and we're hoping that the ability to have demonstrations and lending and maybe some alternative ways of getting the equipment will help them get that equipment so that they're able to succeed in whatever they're doing. Yeah, because what I was gonna ask is, how can the how can you know this program be a model for schools and other you know sectors basically? In I get that each sector is different, like schools and you know the employment stuff like that is different. So, but like, how could this program specifically would sort of act as a model for you know schools and or employers and stuff like that? You know, I, again, I think just really listening to what the person needs and what works for them. Um, I, I think that's, because that's going to be the biggest contributor to success. So like in school, for example, if, if someone's made a determination, oftentimes in school, you know, they, someone will have an assessment and technology is determined for them. And if the student isn't willing to use it, um, they're not going to be successful. So, and oftentimes if they're not involved in that, that decision, I think that contributes to whether or not they're going to use it. Um, you know, we, we've seen instances where if they're provided something that everybody else was using, so if they're using, like everybody else is using tablets, they're more likely to use a communication app on a tablet versus a dedicated device. Um, so that's why a lot of AT in schools has shifted from dedicated devices to tablet-based um, uh, apps, um, just because I think people or students feel that you know they're not any different than anybody else, and so you know I think just having that involvement from the person 
in that decision-making process will lead to success. And I, and I, in Washington, you know, some of our districts do a really good job with that. And I think also the, with the feedback loop of, you know, if something isn't working, then try something else. Um, and, and VR works the same way, you know, hopefully once somebody is hired and, and they were hired with the, um, the expectation that they're going to be using specific equipment, um, that if for some reason it's not working, um, that other solutions are explored. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, um, it's basically what the person needs and if that person's willing to use it, like you said, it's really important. Yeah. Um, well, with that, I'd like to thank both of you for taking the time to do this. And uh, I appreciate your thoughts and sort of insights on this um, topic and, you know, um, appreciate it. Hey, Laszlo, I have a quick question for you. And um, is this, uh, this, your, this article will be published where? Uh, at, it's, it will be published at, at the Do It newsletter. Like do oh, it okay. has like a newsletter that, yes. that they publish like every every month or so. I'm not sure mm -hmm. how long they publish it, but they have like newsletters on different topics okay. related to disability. So and uh, as a favor, would you mind when it does get published, if you could just send me a link to that, and then I'll have my um, coworker put it on our Facebook page. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Once I sort of edit edit it and write it over, I can just you know, um, publish it on, send it to you guys. Great. Oh, and before I forget, um, I, I was hoping if I could get like pictures for my story, if that's possible. I don't know if you. Um, pictures of like different types of assistive technology or. Assistive technology um... or just basically just anything in general, assistive technology or maybe like our lab yeah that that would be that would be good you know okay um i think scott's maybe he can take a picture of the lab i don't i have not taken a picture of the lab yet I'm i haven't wrong. either um yeah but somebody could take a picture of the lab or we do have pictures of assistive technology too um examples if that would be helpful Sure, that works too. Yeah, whatever works. I mean, I don't care. Just, yeah. Okay, I can follow up with Scott and because um, I know you have a deadline for this article, right? Of next week or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, something. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll touch base with Scott and see what he can send out. Yeah, keep me in the loop. Okay, sounds good. Okay. And if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. You too. All right, guys, that does it for today's episode of my Friends with Wheels podcast with Maria T. Kelly and Alan New. I really got to enjoy their wonderful conversation on WATAP and just getting to know some of the benefits of that program was just really inspiring for me. I learned a lot. Hope you tune in for more episodes. Goodbye.